Welcome to the Toffee Blues, your source for all things Everton, and welcome to another podcast where we're going to get through a few different segments. First of all, we're going to have the extra time segment, uh, where we're going to look back on our 2-1 win at Wolves, a very impressive away win at Molyneux. Follow, following that, we were supposed to have the segment where we looked ahead to the Aston Villa game, but as a result of uh, some recent revelations that the game was going to be postponed due to the COVID outbreak at Aston Villa, We've got a different segment where we're going to discuss potential striking additions with, with obviously our strike force being decimated at the moment with Dominic Calvert-Lewin out injured. So we're going to look into that. And then at the end as well, we're going to have a quiz where my two guests tonight, Owen Parks and Paul McAllister, go head-to-head in a classic match day squad quiz. So without further ado, we'll get straight into it and we'll look back on our win over Wolves. Welcome to extra time segment for Wolves 1, Everton 2. Everton actually pull off a very, very competent away display at Molyneux to take all three points. Michael Keane scored the winning goal after Alex Wolby opened the scoring and Ruben Nevers actually scored inside the penalty area. A very interesting game in many respects. I'm looking back on this one with Paul and Owen. Start with you, Owen. How do you feel about that performance? It was a a really good away display, I thought. Yeah, I, I was really, really pleased with the sort of the way we we went about them. There was there were so many times in that game I felt that there was just a different point where Everton, because of Everton, Everton, Everton there quite a bit, and it it just yeah. felt like we didn't sort of succumb to the, the sort of stereotypes and the norms that are associated with Everton in sort of tough away games. We just dug in there, stuck it out. We 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 um defensively very, very good and okay, we weren't blessed with attacking options um, but we didn't need them in the end because we got a set piece and a, a nice bit of play from more, more creative players and a will be finished off so even though it wasn't vintage in terms of what we could do in terms of affecting the game more but I thought the sort of the desire to, to make sure that we could at least get something from the game got us the win and that sort of, I'm going to say it again, clean sheet mentality to just limit the amount of chances the opposition clean has. Clean sheet mentality, that thing is a little bit of clean sheet. No, it, it isn't as much as getting the clean sheet. Every time it's, it's the idea. It's keeping it out the goal, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, making sure that the opposition don't score more goals than you. I think that that's, that that's probably a better way of sort of describing it, but making sure we keep a clean sheet to pass it on. We didn't quite on on um do a night because of a bit of a mix up between Davis and Moravia, but yeah, Eva still part from that. I thought we were defensively very good and we found a couple of moments and we we moved into the top four for a brief period of time. I mean, it, it's up and down that much at the moment. You can't really stick a position on any football club, but we're certainly we've re, we're over thirty points and we have we're not at halfway point yet, so we can get. 
as our another win before we hit 19 games, but I'll probably be in May with it. I'm going to stay up. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> I've got to be a bit more positive and say that if we get 35 points by the time we get to 19 games, which is this record, probably be marked by the time we play the 19 game with the postponements. Um, then we, we, we could be on track of something like 70 points. So, very interesting to, when you look back at the first half of the season that we've been really, really good. And I thought this game was just a, a huge example of everything in the last two months or so. I think we've, we've really learned. I mean, I don't think we necessarily played amazingly. But we've learned to grind out results, and I don't think that's something we had in us before Carlo came here. I I, I was speaking to I was, well, I was saying speaking. I was reading a lot of what people was putting on Twitter after the game, and that the purists do believe unless you've had seventy percent possession and won four nil and twenty eight shots, you haven't played well, which is a load of nonsense. But that's you let them you let them live in their own football bubble because ultimately, for me, three points at the end of the day is. Exactly the only thing for those years out there do. who do believe in like XG. We, it's in, not XG, I mean, XG no, no, no be... I, I know what you mean though. Like, we've had less XG in probably the majority yeah, of that, our games this season, and we've won that. That's more than that's we've lost. It. It, you know, it's the it's this nonsense that usually nonsense peddled by people who usually have said Graham Potter should be the average manager, so that's the kind of level of football the right way. You really don't like Graham Potter, do you? You've really got it in for Graham Potter. (laughs) Graham Potter, honestly, has won. I think there's like the most bang average teams have won the same amount of games as the Amex in 2020 as Brighton, which has won. So I'm not talking about Graham Potter as a to do him down. I'm just saying he's the sort of poster boy for these people who won. 28 shots and 70% possession, unless you've had that, you've not played well. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. That was my point anyway, that there's more than one way to skin a cat, never doing it in their own way at the moment, which is is finding an effective way to play football, whether the the purest like it or not. Yeah, that's my point about digging into Graham Potter again. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised. Thank God, Eddie, I wasn't in a job. Well, I've heard a few rumblings at Newcastle. Might want them. I'm telling you now, Newcastle, Eddie Howe equals war with me. I hate them both of them. That would be absolute carnage. I mean, I can imagine it turning into carnage at St. James Park as well, by the way, because I don't think that would end well for Newcastle. It wouldn't, no. But, um, no, I I doubt that will end up coming to pass. even with Ashley isn't that daft. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, I think I thought we um, you know, we we, we defend them very well. It doesn't make for you know, definitely doesn't do my nerves any good. Put it that way because we always seem to be grinding out a one goal lead in the dying minutes. And when we scored the second goal, Keen Dead, I'm going jumping the gun a bit here with the game. But once we scored that second goal, I had no doubt we'd won the game. I was fully confident that Evan would win that game 2 1. Now I've, you're laughing because you're, I've, you're. I've watched too many Roberto Martinez games to like to shake the trauma off me. I've managed to sort of take that away from my head. That sort of Marco Silva Martinez era of playing kamikaze football. Whereas I know now this group of players, if they take a lead with about 20 minutes to go, they're more than likely going to see her out. 
Yeah, yeah. I think they've got. I think they've got too much of a, a sort of. I don't know a mentality to see games. I know we the Newcastle game was a massive anomaly last year. I know. But I was at that game as well, so that's just re-injected the trauma into the veins from Martinez. Yeah, yeah. I still don't know how that ever came to pass. That, but my point being, anyway, I feel like we're. That was my last time in Goodison before this all happened. Really? Hmm. Well. The last time I was in Goodison until now, I was stood in the stands wondering what the hell had just happened to us. My last words at Goodison were very strongly worded um, <laughs> messages towards the then referee in the Man United game. Oh, yeah, I was there for that. But um, Yeah, Paul, what was your take on the performance yesterday? Is there anything... That's to you. I just like the mentality change that Owen touched on. It was night and day from what we saw at Rotherham, wasn't it? Where against Rotherham, it just looked like the players had been dragged out of bed, didn't it? And the olds couldn't be bothered. And there was not that extra spring in all the steps. It's like they just weren't quick to chase people down. They weren't um, passing the ball around with any zip, really. And it was the opposite against Wolves. It looked like even at the times in the game where they were having the better of it, we sort of had this mindset of, you're not going to take this game away from us. You're not going yeah. to just knock us down. You're not going to knock us down and keep us down. We're going to stand up, take what you can throw at us, and then look what we've done. We, in a sense, rope it open, yeah. to use a boxing term. We, you know, we buzzed them early. They came back and had a little rally and then looked good for spells here and there. I mean, over, over the 90 minutes, they probably had, um, were the better. I wouldn't say they were the better team, actually, but they looked like they were having the better of it for a large period. Yeah, I wouldn't say they were the better team, actually, but they looked like they were having the better of it because they were getting a lot of shots off at our goal, even though they weren't really going anywhere. I think Fabio Silva was the only effort on target, wasn't he, in the first half? Other than oh, I'm not going to lie, he is a bit of a, he's a bit of a strapolacy himself, isn't he? He's a, he seems to have a He's 17. It's a, it's, a, it's a bit early to be Throwing him into I'm not judging it. I'm a judging the decision maker. You man, he asked for 17 months. <laughs> About 50 years ago. Um, <laughs> no, my point being, though, is I know they were having most of the possession and most of the shots and most of the corners and free kicks around our box, but after their equaliser and that little 10-minute spell they had after it where they were looking really good, they didn't look like they were going to score again. Whereas you had that feeling of if we can just get one good chance dropped to us, I'd fancy us to to bury it, even though we don't have a striker there. And that's what happened exactly. We waited for our moments. We got a set piece, made the most of it, got a goal. And I wasn't quite as confident as Owen was when I thought, right, that's game done. We've won this because it yeah, is Everton. Yeah, it's it's I'm still right. Everton at the end of the day. But I, I I did think to myself, unless something crazy happens here, unless the referee just gives them a stupid penalty or one of our players does something absolutely daft, then I don't see them really breaking through us because we just look that solid. But that was the thing, I think, for me. Obviously, there was to, the... be fair, to be fair, my confidence wasn't as much as our own sort of ability as the fact that their striker was Fabio Silva that gave me the confidence. Yeah, I think and for Cazone me... came on who's... You're in a very... Thing. You're in a very bullying mood tonight, aren't you? It's like first you're having a running down Graham Potter, now you're bu- now you're having a pop at a seventeen year old saying he's hopeless. Like, yeah, no, he's younger than me, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, leave the lad alone. <laughs> he's trying. He is trying. Do you know what I mean? But, but, um, you know, but for, for me, I think John, you were saying like you said that you it's you, you, ex- you expect us to like 
give away a soft penalty or something. I mean, there was the the Yeti Mina sort of thing that like Wolves fans were proper kicking off about, even though there wasn't much in it. Where what's, what's, what's this? I, I, right I at the end this. of the game, like in the, I think it has a time or maybe just before it, like across that five minutes about a time. Yeah, the five minutes that would definitely that five, five minutes about a time. Where did he that's what I was going to say. That five minutes of out of time that the referee just invented. He was doing his bit to help them. It's just they couldn't. Make <laughs> no, the, 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 ref, the referee, honestly, if Everton ever won goals to the good going into the 90th minute, it's always five minutes plus without fail. I'm convinced. I, I've said this on Twitter. I'm convinced referees are told to do that, you know, on purpose. I really am. I think if a goal, if a get sorry, if a game hasn't had a certain amount of goals in it or it's, um, it's, it's a game that will have like a lot of impact on the league. Like a team could jump up several positions. I think they're told at the end of the day, the Premier League is a brand. It is it's something that wants to draw in new fans, make that's it as corrupt. dramatic as you can. That's your word. That's and that's the word I'd use. But the word they'd use is let's make it as entertaining and dramatic as possible. Let's just throw on as much out of time as we can. I know Drama. That, uh, something can happen, yeah. I'm convinced they do it on purpose, I really am. There's there's no other explanation. But um I know for a fact that like I mean, Wolves fans made a lot of the the Yeti Mina. Basically, it was basically a cross come in and he he caught Kiana Hoover oh, with an elbow. elbow. And like Wolves fans were like, that should have been a penalty. Like, where's the VAR and all that? And like, but to be honest, I was a bit nervous when I saw that. But the real one where it really bricked it was when Decore gave away a free kick and Neves at the post. Yeah, I, I was. That was a moment Jeez, where I did. Before they give that away, I'm I was breaking it. Yeah, because he can whack them in, Neves. I, I really a, rate that, Neves. He's a, he's a very good player, Neves. And, you know, that, I think that's the first goal he's ever scored for them. That's not a penalty that he actually scored in the area because most of his goals are like 40 yard screamers. Well, he had a, a screamer um, about, uh, somewhere in the second half. I can't remember whether it was late on in the game or just after half time. Yeah, he flipped but, but he it up volley, didn't up he? the half volley. Yeah, I mean, it it was never going in, but on the replay, it didn't look. It looked. It was actually closer than it looked in real time. It looked like it was flying well over the bar, but in, in the replay, I picked it was scrambling a bit. But other than that free kick, there was no real moment where you think, "Oh God, oh God!" Like they're in here, they're in here. Just someone just get it, get it out. As the typical saying is at Goodison, get it away, push out. There was no like frantic moments of defending. Other than that Not free kick, we just think, yeah, yeah. Other than that, that free kick, you thought. I don't really see where a goal's going to come from here unless we just absolutely gift it to them. So they didn't, have, yeah. they, didn't, they didn't put us under a lot of pressures at the end. That, that goes for the whole game, really, not just not just when we put our noses in front. I think they had a few maybes, but I, I don't think it was as such. It weren't a performance. We talk about our defence. They had 13 shots, but I don't know how many of them were on target. Was it just the goal, not, maybe? Not many. They were, yeah. they were many. But, uh, the goal and that tame shot from Silver in the first half, and I can't remember any other than that. They didn't have us all over the place like they did. It was very much them trying to trying to feel it down. They, they couldn't, so we we get. We're very win. we're very very street smart now, which is something we haven't been for a long time. We haven't been we just, for, we not, probably not since Moyes. I don't think even under Moyes, not, not, not that much. Not since yeah, not since early Moyes, like the Moyes that was having getting us in the Europa League and finishing top five regularly. We just we're a team now that we know when to commit a foul, we know when to waste time, we know when to yeah. even the manager fair play to him, he knows when to make substitutions. Do you remember when Moyes used to wait until the last minute of stoppage time so we make a sub? 
Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, you know, even, even little things like Duncan Ferguson pretending not to t- be able to turn the freaking board on to do the sub. It's like yeah, it's, time. It, it, it all makes a difference, and all clubs do it to some extent. They all know how to have a bit of gamesmanship that goes in their favour. And for years, we were just this, what we seem to be, just this holier than vile outfit where an opposition, an opposition player would go down injured, and we couldn't wait to kick it out and help them, even if we had them under pressure. It just it annoyed me so much, and no, we don't see, do that anymore. And I'm so happy about it. No, you see, we're not supposed to do this because it's apparently anti-football. That if you use anything to your advantage like that, it's anti-football. So that's I don't, I don't, know what I don't, it is. It's a I don't get like football Twitter terminology. That isn't it all like anti-football. It comes out of like all these top six, basically bandwagoners. It's like. It's, it's, it's basically it's it's something that's used by big teams that they want little teams to be so they can beat them easily. That's all it is, and I don't give a shite about what top teams who do, I don't give a shite with anyone who doesn't support Everton likes it or doesn't. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. It's anti-football though, so we can't applaud it because it's anti-football. It's not being played in the right way. No, it isn't because you can't take the ball and you own corner, or if a player goes down with cramp, that's anti-football. So. It's all right seeing players literally dive all over the place. That's that's part of the modern game. But players going down with cramp or anything that's anti-football. Just for us, I'd let you know. God forbid if Virgil Van Dijk had cramp. <laughs> I don't want to. Men- I don't even want to mention them. To be honest, like, I'm, I don't. Yeah, I don't. No, and I'm not saying that to be like audible. Better. It's just. They're so far from my headspace right now, and they shouldn't be so far from every every Evertonian's headspace. Who's asked what they're doing? Focus on what Everton are doing because it, we're doing really well at the minute. One game at a time, isn't it? Our yeah. next game, whoever our next opponent is, is probably in March at some point. But whoever that is, just make sure it's, that oh. it's going to be Sheffield and the Cup now, isn't it? After the Wednesday, uh... yeah, it's twenty. He'll probably send the Twenty fourth, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's an evening yeah. kickoff because it's going to be on BT. I've seen it's eight o'clock. No enchanted here. He'll send the under 14s. Well, we were talking about this, me and James, on the live stream the other day. Owen, James knows more about Sheffield than I do. I'm going to be honest. I haven't followed them at it. all. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you much about them at all. Like, what should we expect when Sheffield rock up? I think, oh, yeah, Owen, you're probably clued up as well, mate. <laughs> We'll, well, we'll do a preview well, of this, but are they going to give us a game like Rotherham are going to do? Did or... well, they, well, they would have if they would have given Tony Pulis the money he wanted in January. But I don't even know who the manager's going to be for the game because they, they so went in the separate ways. So they don't have a manager? I didn't even know that, honestly. So they're going to they turn appoint- up the caretaker by the look of it? Probably. They appointed Tony Pulis and they gave him a few months. The results were patchy, like what he yeah, said. Yeah, but he, but he was getting he was awesome and he got them off the bottom. They were like, a couple of points yeah, of safety. He'd won a few and he'd started to climb and he'd started to get it going. And then he said, I need, I don't know how much money. He needed money in January to basically to keep them up. They started on minus points under Gary Monk and that. And then the Chancery being that lunatic, he has probably said, What's cheaper, sacking Pulis or not? Or, or, or giving them money. So they sacked him. And so he went, and though they haven't got a manager, Paul Cook's been linked, but I don't think Paul Cook will go there. Um, he's better so, than that if you ask me if, if, yeah. if, if Joey I, race it, I really race him as a manager I think he you know he deserves a top half 
championship team yeah. in. Yeah, it could be Joey Barton. His name's gone through the Browns. Um, I don't know, to be fair, but if, they, if Tony Pulis was there, you'd know he'd give us a game, but I don't know who they're managing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You've told me more than I more than I knew. If Pulis, yeah, I, I, didn't know, Pulis, I don't know this much. Yeah, I... I think I'd, I'd heard that Pulis was their manager, but I'd completely forgot about it, and I didn't even know that he'd been sacked until Owen told me then. But if you'd have said to me on the live stream the other day, James, that Tony Pulis was Sheffield Wednesday's manager, I would have gone, oh, that's going to be a dog of a game. That you know, he's just going to come <laughs> and play the most. I know we were just pray, we were just saying how anti the right way of football we are. The other, the other. Um, but is it? Tony, you can, Tony you can respectfully to... admit that it's a, it makes it hard to play against. Yeah, I was going to say, I was um, for as much as we were saying like there's no such thing as the right way to play football. You just knew Tony Pulis was going to come and throw every man behind the ball and just make it the worst spectacle you could imagine. And the players who'd be on the day would just be really like just stuck in an uh, maybe in a bit of a I can't be arsed mood like they were against Rotherham because the opponent was just being so negative. You could just pitch them sitting in a block and we was just. We'd end up resorting to just shots from knocking it round but... like the midfield yeah. all day, and... yeah, yeah, for as long as he could, and then maybe nick one of a set piece. I still think yeah. he will do that, but I just don't think they'll be as organized to do that without him. Yeah, there. No, no one told me Pulis is not going to be their manager. That makes me feel a lot better about that tie now. And knowing the owner chance here, he'll probably get the caretaker to send the under 12s in because they've got a championship game on the Wednesday. Happy days. So... I don't know who their caretaker is, by the way. I just know it's a caretaker. But um, with regards to that, obviously, from the game that we've just witnessed, um, you know, we if we take that attitude into that next game, then, you know, I we'll think we will be absolutely fine, yeah. It's, but it's, it's about, can we, you know, maintain high standards? You know, I, I didn't like what I saw against Rotherham, but and I, I was very pleasantly surprised by what I saw in the Wolves game. So, you know, if... if if these players can just sort of keep the standards high, then they can do it. They can beat anybody. I, th- I think Angelotti is slowly but surely rubbing off on the players and imprinting his personality on the team. It, it can't happen overnight with any manager. It's going to take time for the manager to get the team to represent him because everyone says, don't be in the game. The team on the pitch is a reflection of the man on the yeah. side. And very slowly, yeah. Angelotti is imprinting himself onto this team where okay, there's the odd bump, there's the odd game where it doesn't go your way and you're quite annoyed afterwards thinking, how have we lost that? But a lot of the time, you look at it and you think, you know what, we've really got this nailed here to a tee. We know exactly how to play against this lot. We're doing all the right things. We're staying really organised. We're not panicking if we go behind or things don't go our way. And we're making our own luck, which is so important because we haven't had one of those managers who does all of that in so, so, so long. Yeah, he's a very, very intelligent man. I was saying before about the purists who just moan about any sort of negative team we put out up to them, but take their moaning aside, he's done a fantastic job in the year. He's been here sort of dragging us up from our asses <laughs> into where we are now. I think he's done an amazing job. And I just want to put a bit of appreciation on the man's name because I don't think he gets the credit he deserves for the job he's done. I think he certainly does within our quarters, but in the media, obviously not enough, nowhere near enough. No, all they talk about in the media about Angelotti when they praise him is what a lovely fella he is and oh you can't not like him, he's such a gentleman. It's like, yeah, yeah, we know all of that. We've known all that for 
decades and he's a really nice fella but he's, fucking, him for being, he's an absolute genius of a manager yeah praise him for being the tactical genius and putting on all these masterclasses that he does every time getting the best out of a team but like let's be honest we've still got some very mediocre players and he gets mediocre more being generous well, he's, but he's getting a lot out of them even and that's like that's like actually something he really to be commended that he's like you know, getting some good performances out of players who aren't really good enough. Yeah, even the and... play, even the players who we previously sort of, as a fan base, sort of put to one side, he's really got a tune out of them. Like the Wobie probably being the best example, he was really unsure about what his role was before Carlo. And now you I mean, you know, dare to say it, Owen and Andre Gomez got a brilliant assist in that game for the winner. Yeah, even broken clock, strike twice. And right, well, well, it goes back to what I was saying before. He's he knows how to uh, change the tempo of a game. He knows what players to bring off the bench and when to when to use them. Do you know what I mean? He's not just throwing players on for the sake of throwing them on just to get a couple of minutes. He knows that Andre Gomez in that instance would come on and grab a hold of the ball in midfield and stop them dispossessing us because Decore was tired and Davis wasn't really doing much outside of his own half. He knew Gomez would get on the ball and push us further up the field and allow the front three or front two, whatever they were, or front four, depending on how we set up. He, the attacking players could get stay a little bit further forward and not retreat so much because chances were Wolves weren't going to go far, far past that halfway line in possession because Gomez would be there to cut it out. He just reads these things really well and he knows when to um, throw on the Charleston because... Richarlison, he knew their back line's tired. If Richarlison's got any minutes in him at all, use him for the final 15-20 when he's fresh and he can run at them. Be very direct and it'll just give their defenders a nightmare. There's no point just throwing on a striker who's going to sit in the box because whether they're tired or not, their defenders will be able to handle them. I mean, Richarlison, I mean, he, he, he missed a good chance to kill the game in the last couple of minutes. But like, if he was fully fit, I reckon he'd sort that one out easy. But what I will say is, considering even they with him not being maybe fully fit. He did win some good like little little files for us and stuff up the pitch. Like, you know, we saw that we didn't really have that at the start Sorry. of the game and when he come on, you know, he was he did win us a few free kicks. That was probably in the manager's thinking. He, he knows if I just go on and fr- if I go throw this centre forward on, which is what Richarlison was asked to do, and just be energetic, just run around and cause murder for their, their defenders, just get up close to them come deep and get the ball and dribble and they'll either have to foul you or you'll back off you and back off you and let you bring the ball further up that it can let everyone behind you get further forward. It was just the right idea. Whereas if we threw thrown Tosin on, then what's he going to do apart from just hang around the box? He's not going to stretch the defence. He's not going to get between the lines, is he? It was a very good tack. I think all the subs were quite good in terms of the, the, the decisions that he made. I mean, the, the Gomez one being the big one, he came on. Davis was flagging a bit. Gomez comes on and puts a really good cross in for the winner. Uh, Richarlison was great and, and he brought Coleman on as well. So, like, sort of, it was almost like two banks of four by the end, proper like low block stuff, which was, you know, that sort of over the line. Those three subs were really good decisions. Yeah, we, we, were, me as well. we were pretty much in a, a low block for most of the game, to be fair. But it was, was a proper, like, it was a proper 4 4 1 1 by the end, though, wasn't it? Yeah, I think I think we were on the goal line at some one point. Well, if that's what you need to do to get over the line, that's what you do. I all agree. Wolves, as, as I was saying, all Wolves' hopes were of getting a second goal 
was just hoping they got a lucky break or they could lump it longer, get in behind us. Um, it wasn't going to happen sco- if we were playing two lo- lags of two backs of four. If Neves would have scored, Bonnet had that free kick, they would have done the exact same thing. It's just, do you think you should just keep attacking the game no matter, play the same way 3 0, or if would 3 0 down? Did that really think that you shouldn't sort of defend or lead? But we did and we won the game, so. I'll keep counting the points while they... I think you can play when you're 3-0 up as opposed to when you're 3-0 down. You can play the same way. It's when you're 1-0 up compared to 1-0 down. You don't want to be defending a 1-0 lead by legging your entire team forward. Yeah, but if, you, if you're if 3-0 up on Man City and we start rolling around from the back, I'll be fuming. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But, uh, yeah, I think all in all, though, we are showing a lot more now this season. That's obviously coming from Ancelotti, but... There's the the additional um, idea of like some of these players really have picked up in performances and none more so I think than the two goal scorers Keane and Awobi have both been. I mean Keane we saw a bit of it last season but he's been absolutely excellent all season and Awobi's just getting better and better as the season goes on. He's starting to pick up a little bit of consistency to his game, which is something we never thought we'd see from him, and that's a real breath of fresh air. This is my time to unshamedly sort of boast about my, my sort of long-term positions on these two players because I've been I'm a huge fan of Michael Keane for ages now and I think he's a good defender. Struggles with confidence at times. He pace, he hasn't always been there. And he's never going to fit silver ball, is he? So it was it was always going to be a struggle. But since the, the manager came in, and obviously in those days, years ago with Dyche, I think he, he's been a... He's, he's proved to be a really good defender, so... No surprises. He used to be the one who leads at the back. Yeah, yeah, he 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 takes responsibility. He 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 takes pride in defending, and I think I I think that I think people really underestimated the fact that he he's sort of been sort of brought up in football with with that sort of mentality to defend. So the fact that we're keeping clean sheets and seeing leads out now with him being the focal point of defend of the defense. I should be surprised to know one. And Yeri Mean as well, by the way. Mean is another one, and Godfrey as well. I think all three yeah. of them take pride in defending yeah. now. Holgate does too. Yeah, they all do. Yeah. So when there's a four of them, it's I could imagine being made for an opposition team. Oh, and, um, and... oh and by the way, can we just have a little uh, big up the moment where Ben Godfrey was roaring at their player for being injured? <laughs> Ben Godfrey was just proper like having a go at Pedro Messo while he was getting treatment for like a knee injury where he actually did get classes. Yeah. Why not? Like, why? Why not? You don't. You don't win by being nice. Exactly. It's just class though, isn't it? Just you love to see it. It is pretty amazing. I'm not gonna lie to, to see Ben Go Ben Godfrey and Alex Awobi. Forgot to mention him. Yeah, he's for me. He's always been someone I've been desperate to see given a chance in the run of games. I feel like I've always refrained from sort of going into hours on him because I've always seen the talent. And yeah, I, th- I think he's he's doing really well now and he's got that role. And I, I want to see him keep it. And I think the key for him to do that is more productivity. But good job from him as well. Getting there, yeah. Well, he contributes. You know, we talk about him not getting enough goals or assists. He got one yesterday, and it was a good, really well taken one. So. No long may that yeah. continue. A reminder: people were saying Balassi was better than them a couple of oh, weeks goodness, ago. Yeah. Who, who said that? Joe Williams. Joe Williams, the um, the, the also fifteen-year-old. Joe person. Williams, who used to play for Everton. No, no, the 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 lads, the wind-up merchants on Twitter. Goodness, 
the man boggles. But um, anyway, we'll we'll leave it at that one. Um, just one more, one more last thing before we finish on this one is uh, a lot was made, Joe, before and after the game about Wolves' injuries, you know, like Jimenez and Pedence and Traore and that. But I don't. I feel like people are understating the amount of injuries we've had this season. You know, Alan's out. who's a crucial player and DCL obviously, and a few others. I, I, if people don't want to give us credit and just blame the fact that on that we won on the fact that Wolves have got injuries, pardon me French, I don't give a shite. We won. We played. We beat the team that was in front of us. They they didn't beat the team that was in front of them. That's all there is to do it. That's the thing. I think we're both going through bad moments or zambles with injuries, and I think we just handled the situation, you know, the, the adversity better than they did. So, and that that's that's it in the at the end of the day. But you'll never hear the press say that. So, it's down to us to be the mouthpiece for that. As I'll say, keep saying you've got to find a way of winning. We we keep finding ways of winning. So. Yeah. No matter who's Very impressed playing. with that. I think our <laughs> pragmatism and our adaptability has been probably one of the best things that I've seen come out of this season. Let other people worry about performances and passing and all that nonsense. We just let's just find a way of winning every week. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Um, before Brian Potter gets mentioned again, uh, we'll finish there. Um, Welcome to another segment where Paul, Owen and I are going to be discussing our striking options for the rest of this season. Of course, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, as we speak, is out with a hamstring injury. We started with no recognised striker from the beginning against Wolves. But eventually, of course, Richardson came on as a striker and we saw that game out and come out with a 2-1 win. But it does beg the question, is long-term, what could the solution be? There's rumours about uh, Cheng Tosin, of course, the other option. Potentially leaving rumours to like Hertha Berlin, Frankfurt, and West Brom, of course, under Sam Allardyce. And you know, there's a couple of rumours being thrown around about Totem going. And with that in mind, Moise Keane as well, it looks like his deal could be made permanent sooner rather than later at PSG. So it looks as though we will need another striker to bring in. And with that in mind, we're going to try and look through the sort of real- realistic options that we've got to bring in to obviously somebody. You presume when Calvert Lumen is fit would be on the bench, but you know, it's not always easy to find that balance of a very good player who is willing to sit on the bench behind another striker. It's it's a difficult uh, position to recruit for that sort of second reserve striker role. So with that in mind, uh, Paul and Owen, we're gonna have a little discussion about uh, a potential backup striker who could sit on the bench. Uh, Owen, do you have any ideas of anyone you'd be Happy to have. There'd be loads of players I'd be happy to have, but it's whether they can do it come in January. There's just so many extenuating circumstances for, for doing a deal now. Then, then I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure one will be done. But I, I definitely do think we do need a player, well, two players that play in the forward areas, and another winger, and a backup striker, and obviously see to see Chentos and leave the football club and. I feel I feel we'd be in good stead from then on in, but yeah, we do need someone else. We've been linked with like the Millick and Josh King in the past. I don't see any of them deals coming to pass. Um, I don't think I don't it, think Josh King's a goer at all. 
No. We'd no. have got him. If we were going to get him, we'd have got him in the summer, I think. I, I think we were never in for Josh King. Absolutely. Really. No. No, I am. Um, so I don't think that's on. There's other rumours about different strikers. I, I just think it's a really difficult month to do any business in. So, especially in the current circumstances, if you're getting someone from abroad, did he really. Is this a really desirable place to come right now? I don't know. It, it, to be Everton's backup striker when you're not really going to get much of a look in with Dominic Calvert-Lewin, sort of important to the team. I, I, I think it's really difficult. If I'm going to make a suggestion of someone we could bring in who, who plays in the forward positions but not necessarily a striker, it would be um, Ishmael Asar from Watford. He's not a striker, but he can play in the forward positions. And if... Dominic Calvert-Lewin wasn't fit with Charleston, could go up front and he's played up front himself, sir. So he's quick, dynamic. I, I, I think if we, if I was to do a deal for anyone, it would be Ishmael Assar. But then would Wofford sell? They're in the top six. Would they? Would they want to sell mid-season? So there's so many. The only strikers that you'd probably be able to get would be to to be sort of to be honest, yard dogs in terms of getting the Tosin's. That is that would be would be available. I don't really want them. So I think if we could get someone like Sar or if we could get a striker, then fantastic. But I feel like it would be really difficult to do at the moment. Paul, any ideas? A striker who could um, the I know what mould of striker I'd like to see a side. We need to sign someone who can hold the ball up because there's no point to sign and just a slotter to stick in the box because we've got one of them and the way we set up. He's not going to get much joy at all, is he? If we're going to get one a striker who we're just going to try and get him play with his back to goal, that's where I think we need to go because we play, we do throw a lot of crosses in the box. We need a striker who can get us up the pitch and bring these the wide forwards into play. And we need someone who doesn't mind getting maybe bashed about a little bit um, and can look after himself. There's no point signing anyone who's unless he's absolutely rapid and just an amazing finish yet, there's no point to sign anyone who's under the six foot, really, because they're just going to be marked out of a game and we don't play the style of football where they're going to get chances because that's what Tosin's problem, isn't it? Tosin could probably finish a lot of chances if he was one-on-one, or half a yard in the box, but that's not how we go forward as a team. So I do like the sound of that Milic from Napoli. He's mentioned he's available. I think he's definitely available this month. It looks like there's no way back for him at Napoli. And he's got an, um, a bio clause, apparently. But he's probably got a lot of options. And I doubt he's Everton to come and sit on Everton's bench would be his first one, even if we do go in for him. Um, Did he feature not heavily under Antelotti when he was at Napoli? I don't. I think he was there, definitely. I don't know if he was first choice. Uh, was it, Do they still play? I can't think of his name. The fellow whose name begins with an I. I can't pronounce Insigne. it. I, yeah, Insigne. do they still play in Stigny? Yeah, do they still play him as the number nine? They play him as a creative forwards, like a like a, a retired left. Mm. Um, Either way, I think if I'm going to bring someone up who who fits that kind of mould of a striker, who who I think would come to Everton would be Mainz's, um Don't laugh, Jean Philippe Mateta. The Jean Philippe, um, Mateta. He, he's that. The mind only sign plays called Jean Philippe. I don't know. Come to think of it, that's really become a theme. That's why I laughed. Um, but yeah, he, he, he's a decent goal scorer. He, he's similar in terms of style of play to Calvert-Lewin. Not as good, I would say. But I think he's someone who'd come and I think he's a much better player than Tosin. 
been linked with Crystal Palace this window, so maybe he's someone we could look at. I think he, Redhurst has been linked from Wolfsburg, but I think he's got. I so, like him. I, I feel him. like he's really good. I do like him, but I think his ceilings are a lot higher than Everton's bench. So I, I, I think that'll be a struggle that one. But he's a much better player than Mateta. But I think I think Mateta is a decent option. I, I could see that one maybe coming to pass. We'll look into someone of that mould. Certainly. Yeah. You say, sorry, I, I, how do you pronounce his name? That Wolfsburg lad, Jamie. I was going to mention him, but oh, I don't want to butcher his name. Berghorst, yeah. Yeah, as you say, he's probably got an higher ceiling, but he's not young him, you know, he is like 28. So if he's going to move and get one last big opportunity, he's going to have to make it soon. And are any other clubs in for him at the moment that he's he not Everton back for? I don't know, but I think there should be because he, I think he's a really good Probably. striker. Yeah, he's a really good player. I like him a lot. He's, I think he's on double figures this season and he's hit double figures, well into double figures the two previous seasons. He's been at Wolfsburg, who are a mid-table team at best in Germany. The last like team. They're harsh on Wolfsburg, that, aren't they? Yeah, they're a decent team. Uh, they're, they're, yeah, they're a decent team, but they're not a team that ever, is ever going for the league, are they? Do you know what I mean? They're always hovering no. around the European... They're hovering around the Europa League spots. Sometimes they get there, sometimes they don't. But the point I was making is they're not a team that just scores bags and bags of goals and creates bags and bags of chances like Bayern Munich or, or Dortmund. No. Are so to be, getting, to, to be getting 16, 17 goals in their season, in their team, in the two, the two first seasons you were there, and I think he's on double figures already for this year. He's got to have something about him, and he is a big, strapping, strong, old-fashioned number nine player like Calvert-Lewin. And I, I, I do think that's the moment striker we need to go for. We need to go someone who is as much like Calvert-Lewin as we can. So we're probably not going to find anyone who's a target man. Yeah, we're probably not going to find a target man who's got the pace that Calvert-Lewin's got because for a player who goes up with a lot of headers, he does cover a lot of ground and he's quite quick on the break. Do, you know what's, what's interesting? I mean, you, you two are probably going to piss yourselves laughing at me for this one, but I would have gone in for like Haller or something from West Ham. I just think... I just think, um, he, as a bench warmer, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's well million. better than Tosin. I think he would have done all right, you know. 20 million, no? No, he's a, he's actually, big, not, not for that price, though. As a, it's one of them with Haller. One of the, you'd think he'd be a David Moyes striker all day long, wouldn't you? Because he's a big, strong player. But the reason it's not worked out for him and that West Ham have made, are happy to make such a massive loss, I read in The Athletic that they don't like him in training because, despite his size, he's meant to be very, very soft. And he goes down very easily, and he can be a bit petulant. Like he's not the type of player where if you barge him, he's a defender is bullying him a bit. He's going to think, right, let's have a let's have a battle. Then I'm going to battle, bully you back. He's just the type of striker who is quick to complain to referees and is, doesn't really fancy the oh, physical no, fight that, aspect. That's what I read from um, and a, a story in Athletic. So I. Do you know what I mean? When when Moyes went into West Ham, I thought, yeah, he'll get the best out of Haller. He's a, he's an old fashioned like Yakubu type type striker, isn't he? But it's not working for him at all, and that's why they're happy to just let him go for thirty million less than what they signed him for. Yeah, I think Mateta is quite quick. So when you say Carvalho's pace, I think Mateta could possibly match that. I don't. I I think Evan will look for a slightly higher caliber than Mateta, but I think in terms of Stylistically, I think he, I think he's a good fit. I like Vecost a lot. It's just a question of whether he would come here. I think he could come here, but it's whether we're willing to spend the money in January because 
if Wolfsburg sell him, then they're going to drop down four or five places in Bundesliga easily unless they sign another striker to replace them. So signing him basically completely derails a team season. So you'd have to pay a lot of money to get him out in January. But I do really like him. I I, I do think a Premier League club should be going in for him in the summer if he stays there. Here's one I'll mention. I, I don't think it's realistic and I don't think I'd have him, but I have seen him mentioned by some of the people and I think he is worth discussing. If you could get him, would you go back and maybe have Giroud? Because rumours is yeah. he's going to be on the move. About this. I mean, I would have him, but it's not realistic. You know, my yeah, I know it's. I know it's not realistic. He doesn't want to move up to um out of London, does he? He's got. He's going to have options to um, to have a go back to France, or I've seen other London clubs linked with him. But let's just say, for argument's sake, he was willing to sit down at the table at us and say, right, I will move up and I will come and be your number two backup. But this is, I want, let's say, a, let's say he asks for like a two and a half, three year deal. Would you give him that? Because he's probably going to ask for that. That's the only way I think he'd even consider coming out of London if he got a longer contract. Mm. Yeah, I, I maybe would. I, I really like Juru. So two and a half. Probably... If it was two and a half, and... yeah, three and a half, probably no. Yeah, he got an 18 month deal at, um, Chelsea didn't he which runs out I think um, in the summer and he's probably going to leave this month or go for a free but I think if he's going to come out of his comfort zone he's going to want a deal that's going to basically set him up to the end of his career isn't he either that or he's just going to go for somewhere for a payday like um, MLS or the East only way he stays in the Premier League outside of London is if a team just really gives him an offer that he just can't refuse or if we're if we're going for the other end of the spectrum, somebody else who's a lot younger and who's on the on the upper curve. What about um Ivan Tony from Brentford? I think he's maybe someone nothing now because he only joins in the summer. But if Brentford don't go up again, they're very prone to selling players. I think he could be a, a real a really good option for us. Yeah, he's he is quite a good player, Ivan Tony. I think I, I remember he did Aston Villa was he or could have been. Yeah, he was. He went. He was a. Uh, he was I forgot where he came from from to go to Brentford, but he, he is a really good striker. Could be an option. Uh, I was trying to think what else there is out there at the moment um, in terms of striking options. There's it it is obviously it's a in a difficult time to recruit. January, I mean, there's rumours about um Luka Jovic going on loan back to Frankfurt. Would you consider him? Yeah, I've re- I I consider him, but the thing is, you know, Real Madrid, he's, they're desperate to get shots on him because he's not worked at all. They'd want you to pay 100% of his wages, most probably, and he's on a big contract. So he costs a lot in that sense. And chances, and they'd probably want a, a guarantee that you're going to buy him at the end of the um, deal as well. And again, he's, he's a poacher, isn't he? I know he's strong, like he's tall, but has he got the legs to be playing in our type of team? If you haven't got the legs, then you've got to be a real man mountain of a striker who can hold the ball up and I'm not sure if he I don't know if he's got that in him yeah I think I think he's caught in between I think he's too he's be, he, obviously he's a better player but I think he's caught too much in the toes and moulds where he's not one or the other and he's not um, in the right team to get the best out of him yeah it's it's, a, it's, it's it's always difficult with those kind of players they don't seem to know what they are some of them like what sort of role they're going to take on in the team yeah they're just they're a striker who's got to play in a two. They can't lead the line. And there's just not t- any top teams in England, at least, that play with two strikers. 
Tolson, Tolson goes and leaves Everton, and even if he goes and plays for a West Brom or back to Palace, and they put someone up next to him who will support him and do all the hard work, then he will probably bag a few goals because I do think he's capable of. Yeah, he's not in the assay where. Yeah, he's not in the assay where if you put him through on goal, you still don't don't fancy him to score. But he'll just do something stupid like fall over or blast it. Right? <laughs> he's, he's not that level of, of bad. It's just he can't do anything else that um, that to get himself in that position. He can't win headers really. He can't beat a man. He can't hold the ball up. He can't um, replay well enough to get between the lines to make a run in behind. He just he needs the ball on a plate for him in order to score. And he's at the wrong club for that. If he was that Man City. The amount of chances they make and the, the, how easily they get it into the opposition third, he score goals. But Everton just don't have the players to basically crowbar him into the team. No, not at all. No. Uh, it's, it's it's difficult though. Obviously, the striker market's a bit. Um, it's a, it's a difficult one. At the best of times, Syracuse the right kind of striker for your team, but there's always you know what? Not no. Before we start, no, I would not have him. Absolutely not. But I still think a Premier League club should have picked him up in the summer because he could have left Watford if he'd have got the right offer. He's Someone like the... no, he's not. But he's good enough for the likes of like a West Brom or someone like that. If he'd have gone to West Brom, he probably got enough goals to give them a fighting chance of staying up. I don't think they've got any chance at the moment. Do you no. know what I mean? Some clubs, some clubs somewhere probably could have picked him up and had got a really good use out of him. Troy Deeney. Yeah, I, I West do, I don't, yeah, I don't think Troy Deeney is so bad or so finished as a player that he should just he was ready to drop out of the Premier League completely along with Watford. I, I'm surprised no one went for him for him. Yeah, it's uh, it is interesting to be honest because he he always he's always a nuisance at this level. So you know, yeah, that's that exactly. Yeah, he, even if he wasn't like class, he was he made he made himself seen, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. That's the what I meant. Yeah, he's um, indefinite. Yeah, I know he's. A, I know he's an absolute blade, like, but another fella. You can have an absolute blade to make themselves seen. What about that Morelos who plays for Rangers? He's a bit of a crank. Is he any good though? Like, would he be able to make a step up to a Premier League team? No, not for us. No, I'd rather keep Tosin. No, not not him. I won't go that far. Not to top, no, not to top six level. I mean, I do think he's ready to leave Rangers behind. I think he's shown enough to to suggest that he shouldn't be in Scotland all his life. But if he does get a move to the Premier League, then he is probably going to end up on the bottom half side, and he's going to have to prove himself down there. But any any team that wants to get him out of Rangers is going to pay a fortune because he's by far and away um, Gerard's most important player, even though he is an absolute crank. <laughs> A better version of him is Edward the Celtic. I think he's, he's a he's a shout. Yeah, he's another one where he's he's probably ready to leave um, the Scottish league, isn't he? He's got a higher ceiling than staying he, there forever. But a club to a, a, going into a team that's playing in Europe or wants to be in Europe regularly is probably a step too far for him at the minute. And mm. not Diego Costa. He's been finished for years. Yes, no, that's, just that's, that's, that, that's never the right decision. I'll say this now, anyone who seriously wants Everton to sign Diego Costa in the year 2021 plays too much FIFA and just wants to see what he'd look like in an Everton kit. You'd get, you'd get, over, it. You'd get over it in the first five minutes and then you'd realise it's like watching Tosin, if not worse. His legs have completely gone. He's finished. 
just let him go to wherever he's going to go now. He's he's so <laughs> bad that even basically his boyhood club. I know he's from Brazil, but he's he's synonymous with Atletico Madrid, isn't he? He's an Atletico Madrid person through and through. He's got it in his blood. They let him go for nothing. That's how much they didn't want him anymore. You'd rather have, I don't know, Callum Patterson from Sheffield. Liam Brewster. Well, no. I'd rather have Costa than Brewster. That that really is a hammer blow. No, he's the next big thing. Jürgen Klopp loved him so much that he never played him once. Yeah. But he's got a winner's medal from the Champions League final. I know, and what better town to get his hair cut? Not bad. Isn't anyway, that the reason? Forget him. <laughs> oh, for God. But, yeah, um... No. It's, it's it. One more striker I'll throw out there, and I'll suggest because I think, I think he's, he's maybe gettable, I, I think, really. Is would you go and take him? Um, what's his fate? Oh, I was going to say his name. He's gone out of my head now. Um, Does he play for? Does he play for? He's in the league. He's down the bottom. Um, that, that narrows it down. So many teams down. Alan the bottom. Pat- yeah, he's probably not. He's probably not available. But you know how much Mike Ashley loves a power note. Would you go and maybe sign Callum Wilson on the cheap? Yeah, that would be on the like, cheap. Though. I don't think that'd be on the cheap. It would the, be on the cheap for Mike Ashley because Mike Ashley just will take anything. Only he? he's not asked how much he upsets the fans, and it looks like they're going down. Would you say to? Would you go into them and say yeah, that, to they won't go down? They won't go down. They'll still have. It'll be grim. It'll be grim, but they're not going to go down. They'll be back. I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that. De- I wouldn't say they'll definitely go down, but I wouldn't say they definitely won't either. But he's just a player I rate, who I would have liked to see those go in for in the summer. But Newcastle got in there, and I think that no, nothing. Is Joel Linton still crap? He ever not crap? Or has he been used poorly? No, he's just crap. What made them pay that yeah. much money for him? It was my question. Just... No, I'm not giving him. He's. He, I'm not giving him the, the um, blame for that. He's a lot of things, mate, but he is not outright stupid, mate. It would lead to family then. It's someone's bought him. He's. He's probably approved it, but he's not the one who's looked at that and thought, "Let Let's pay forty million for that fella. He'll be the same." And he's probably more annoyed than anyone that he spent forty million on that crap. It wasn't Steve Bruce anyway, because it was done before he was there. So I don't know. No one's going to put their hands up and take that, but I'd be shocked if someone like Mike Ashley agreed to part with £40 million for him. But Ashley William <laughs> wouldn't sign Mest. Ashley William... Uh, um, Ashley William. Mike Ashley, <laughs> sorry, Mike, Mike, Mike Ashley is so tight with his money that even if he could get Mbappe for £40 million, he'd probably have to really think hard about it, parting with that money. So, do you know what I mean? Well, has anyone else got any strike any striker suggestions who are realistic or half realistic or just at least interesting to talk about? Yeah, I, I feel like we're probably going lower. Yeah, we're gonna end up dropping down a few divisions at this rate, but um, we'll Let's leave it at that anyway. A, I think I think we'll sign a new mar- should we sign a new mar- back? He's not got a Yeah, call. he was. Where's you know we'll end it on that note. Let's just yeah, we'll definitely you mentioned. Yeah, someone's got the assays number. Please send it to the club and ask, and we'll, the club will give him a ring and offer him a six-month deal, and he can come back and just make us laugh at least. Yeah, I mean, that's about it. I've got no to suggest. 
Yeah, I think it's one. We'll leave it at that anyway. But for you podcast listeners, of course, we're going to finish with the classic quiz, Match Day Squad quiz, Owen up against Paul. Uh, and this is going to be an interesting one because it's one I remember very vividly, and I'll tell you for a while in a moment. But first of all, we'll do the coin toss. Paul, I'll let you do this coin toss. Heads or tails, Paul? Heads. And it's tails. So, Owen, you get to pick first or second, Owen? I'll go first. Owen's going first, and with that in mind, we'll reveal a fiction question in Tense Quiz Music, if you please. And the fiction question is Everton versus Aston Villa. Of course, this was in mind. We were going to be looking ahead to a Villa game, but of course, that's not happening now. But it's Everton versus Aston Villa. Everton 2, Villa 2, Saturday the 2nd of April 2011. It was actually my birthday, so I do remember this one very, very vividly. But... um, yeah, 2nd of April 2011, Everton 2, Villa 2. Uh, 11 starters and two used substitutes to choose from. You're up first, Owen. I do remember this game vaguely. Um, I'll start off by saying Tim Howard. Yeah, Tim Howard. That was easy enough. I always struggle with these sorts of latter day MOEs quizzes because I do remember them. It's just I put a lot of them out of the minds because like, it, was just, it was not very good to watch. Even it was very dull, by the this, this was one of the yeah. worst areas of the Moise either, this for me. Yeah, it was still a good team overall, but it was just it just felt like a proper grind supporting us, do you know what I mean? So I've, I've forgotten about a lot of it. Um, 2011, did you say? Yeah, this is when I... I'll be honest, I mean, it was my birthday and it was like with me watching it, but... It was very. Uh, wasn't like it was. It wasn't very. I remember. I remember the game. This was the game. Oh, I'm not going to say where an ex when where so an Everton player hit a shot. It was about forty yards over the line, and the referee didn't give it. I don't remember that. Um, what? What should I, if I get this wrong? What should if I get this wrong? I'm on the first guess, but if we're going to say 2011, I'm going to go for Jack Rodwell. You had it wrong, mate. Yeah, I knew I'd lose. I just I really don't get these quizzes from like the late two thousands, early two thousand tens. I just I put that in period out of my mind as best as I can. So with that in mind, we'll finish it anyway. Owen. Um Phil Phil Neville. Yeah, Phil Neville was the captain. Oh, how did I not pick him? Of course, he played. Um, would, would Beckford play? Was Beck, was that the season Beckford was around? Yeah, Beckford it was, was the and, and, it, and it was his shot that went 40 yards over the bar. Yeah, oh, over in the, the line, net. yeah. It was, I remember. It's still bouncing yeah. in the now. Um, well, we're not going insane now, are we? Would, would, would 2011. Um, Leon Billy Lettenhoff. Uh, Billy Lettenov and Osman are there, both of them played. Osman actually scored the opening goal. Yeah, Billy was there. Um, Coleman wasn't in the team at that point, yeah, I don't think. Um, uh, you, you assume wrong, Coleman started. Did he? Was that his... I always remember uh, Coleman's breakthrough game was he came off the bench against Tottenham at Goodison where it was 2-0 and we went on to equalise 2-2. 
But I can't yeah, remember what season that was. That was 2010, so this was like the year after that. Was it? Right. Um, this is when Kale, he played Kale, Kale, Kale would have been around, wouldn't he? Kale, Kale would have been around, but he was injured, I think, for this, because he's nowhere to be seen. Okay. Um, Fellaini. Who would have played... Hmm. Fellaini. Fellaini. Well, there was no Fellaini here. I can only assume he'd been suspended for elbowing someone. Who would have played the midfield then? Phil Neville um, would have been Neville with Osman, would he? Osville. Um, did Saha? Was Saha uh, playing? There was no Saha. He was injured for the rest of the season by this stage, remember rightly. Oh, what a surprise. Tony Ibbett. Tony Ibbett did start. He was at right back. Oh, so this was when Coleman... Broke first broke in and he was at right mid like the first year or so. Coleman was on the wing for about the first yeah. two seasons, yeah. Yeah, was this was after he came back from Blackpool, wasn't it? Um, yeah, that's right. Right, so how many have we named so far? You've got Howard and Hibbert, Neville and Coleman, Billy, Osman, Beckford. Seven, right, Jackie so four more. Yeah, Jackie Elka started at centre-half. Distan? Distan started at centre-half. Baines. Heitinger. Baines played at left back and Baines scored the equalising goal late on from the penalty spot and finished 2 all. Heitinger played. Heitinger did play in defensive mid. It was just, it was what? Neville and Heitinger centre mid in a very defensive Moyes approach. Jesus Christ. You were trying to erase this from your memory. Yeah. I'm going to say, can you blame me for putting this out of my mind? Um... Yeah, so, yeah, you've, you've got the complete starting 11 already there. There's so it's Howard, Hibbert, Baines, Jags and Distan, Neville and Heiting in the midfield, Coleman on the right, Osman on the left, Billy and then Beckford. Uh, and then there's two used subs, which you've still yet to get. Um... Oh, and I remember this. Good luck I... indeed with this. Velios. Yeah, Velios came on. And it would have been enough. It would have been some of a no mark as well, wouldn't it? The one because this was at a point where we were just putting kids on the bench, wasn't it? Um, this was Veliox's first appearance for Everton. I don't, I hate this this fella. Did Jose Baxter get a sniff? Did he? No, he did not. (laughs) I mean, he got it. I like the use of the terminology there, but he didn't actually get a sniff. (laughs) Well, he probably. Like yeah, here's, here's a player who we know will have been on the bench. He wouldn't have played, but he was on the bench because he was our backup at the time. Was it Carlo Nash? Uh, Carlo Nash, no, well, he wasn't on the bench. Jan Mucha. Oh. It was Jan Mucha was at the bench, but obviously he didn't get on. Who was the final used sub? Um, Yakubu. No, no Yakubu. No. Arteta. 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 Arteta was... No, Arteta. it was Magai Gay. Wow, what a footballer. Yeah, when John sent me this one, he went, get on that bench, he says, and I'll show you why. So, obviously, the starting 11 was Tim Howard, Tony Abbott, Leighton Baines, Johnny Iting, Phil Jack Yelka, Sullivan Distan, Phil Neville, Seamus Coleman, Billy Alethinov, Leon Osman, and Jermaine Beckford. Now, here's your substitutes. Dan Mucha, Chodran Mustafi. Okay. Toto Enciala. Adam Forshaw. Place of Shrewsbury now, Toto. Adam Forshaw. I don't even know who that is. 
I've heard of Adam Falshaw. That name would like ring a bell with me. I, that's what I meant before when I said our bench will just be made up with no marks yeah. who never really broke through to the team. They were just there because we had no one else. But yeah. I remember like Mustafi and Eric Dyer being in the reserves, and I remember like a handful of others like John Paul Kissick and um, Adam Falshaw. But I don't know who that other fellow is you've just mentioned. Yeah, there was Mutia, Mustafi, and Toto and Ciara. Um, Adam Forshaw, Magai Gay, Apostolos Velios, and Conor Machalini on the bench. Oh, wow. oh he's he's the he, he's the most famous one of all. Any this player who's in our ears forever. Yeah. Was Luke Garbage around? He actually was around by that point, but he hadn't like even he was like too young at this stage. Okay then. Oh, what a, I remember what, Velios. What, what a what I know that team like. Finished quite well in that season. We were in the like the top. When we were like seventh or eighth again, like we did. Yeah, like seventh or eighth, yeah. That, yeah, seventh or eighth, which is respectable considering we had absolutely no money. But how grim is that lineup? Like, if you read it to yourself, it, uh, honestly, it was. A, a, I was a season ticket holder that year. I was. I was. Yeah. And it was. It was some. Some of them was that I can actively remember the, the lowest points of it for me was if I, I remember a game in December. Nil nil against Wigan at home, and yeah. the worst one was there was a I got on camera on match of the day went on me in the Gladys with a face like a smacked ass watching it. The lowest period for me around that period, I don't know if it was the same season or it might have been the season after. I'll never forget it. Was the game where Howard scored that goal against? Bolton I was about to Wills. say that. No, but about... to this day, to this day, I have never watched that goal back because. The game was just so depressing. We ended up losing it very late. Gary Cale scored the winner and then signed for Chelsea the next day. But I just remember <laughs> thinking, this is the most depressed I have ever been to Port Nevin at that point. Just a team that had nothing about it, was going nowhere, couldn't do anything, couldn't create anything for to save its life. And even if the goalie got a free goal, couldn't get a result. <laughs> yeah, and I remember that was that season Bolton got relegated as well. We're still yeah. They were an absolute. They were an absolute shambles. And Kale like was practically had a suitcase. Had a suitcase. Had his suitcase packed and was halfway out the door. And then in the last minute, scored a winner at the park end. And I just remember thinking, like, I don't know why I bother supporting this club. I remember they he didn't even celebrate. He was too busy asking Chelsea had been in touch. Yeah, I, I remember afterwards getting driven home by my mum, and we had like football phone in on. And what's and Graham Sharp was trying to dress it up on the radio. It was like, mate, you've won league titles with this club, and you're trying to defend that. Like, gee, what an absolute puppy you are! Yeah, you you just you just will say anything the club want you to. You you've won trophies, and you're happy with what you've just seen. And I just remember thinking, I'm never going to take seriously anything any 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 ex player says with the club ever again because they're just. They're not speaking from the heart. They can't be. party lines, do you mean? Yeah. Basically, yeah. Just being mouthpieces for the board at that time who were under a lot of criticism because that was during that like mad two-year spell. That was the Blue, the blue Union area, era, wasn't it? It was it was that period, the, yeah. The where the testimony era that was. Yeah, we didn't we didn't spend any money on until we signed Gibson for like five hundred grand in the January of twenty twelve. We've gone ages without signing a player for a fee. We've got on a bet. Beckford was the only player we'd signed or someone before. We got him on a free. He was on a Bosman, yeah. Yeah. What a grim time that was. That was, the, that was just the lowest point I can ever remember. Yeah, until but then you think you, you think that's the lowest point and then you actually 
years later, Martin has signed the ass for 14 million. That was worse under him. <laughs> um, that Martinez was still the worst point, like latter day Martinez, where yeah, signed the ass for 14 million. Yeah, that last six months under Martinez was was the worst it's ever been for me. That was the point where I was just like, I don't even want to follow Everton anymore. I don't even want to check the results. Like, I'm yeah, just that, so fed up. Yeah, I, I was so like, fed up myself so much from it. Yeah, it's like I'm so fed up of where this club's going. I can't stand the person in charge of it. I can't stand most most of the players. I just completely the only, up. The only thing that comes close to me was that four weeks under David Unsworth. Oh, the sorry, sorry, man, all different ah, pasties. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> was different. That was a phone to get someone made that, that meme, and I just lost it. That was that for me. That 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 period where we were just. It would sack Kuman and then we were an absolute shambles for about a month until we finally got Allardyce in. That was more just upsetting. It's like, oh, like I can't believe we're like we're in the state we're going to be in. But I didn't like I was still supporting the team and I was I really behind yeah. them and hoping that Lundsworth could do something. But it's under Martinez and under Last Day Boys. I was like the point. It just turned to apathy. It was like I don't even care. We lose at this point. I just don't like the people at the club. I don't. I'm not bothered if they're going to get sacked or the players are all feeling. Like nothing they do works, whereas under Unsworth, like I wanted it to work for him. Yeah, yeah on, on that note, that. anyway, we'll finish on a bit more cheerful note. Oh, Owen, you won that quiz, so uh, you want to pick a song to finish for us? Well, I said after the the, um, the guy the other day chose Cory out, she was Emmerdale, so Emmerdale. Oh my God. Okay, well, there you go. We'll you serious? Emmerdale theme tune. The guys. guy the other day chose Cory. Yeah, I know. I know. I know this. Is, I know this is against the rules, but if he's not going to pick an actual song, he's just going to pick that. Can I pick the actual song we can have after Emmerdale? Then feel free. You can choose her anyway. I was just going to say. I haven't. Yeah, got if you one pick an act- if you pick an actual song, fair enough. But that's more of a tune. Do you know what I mean? There's yes. no actual mu- Why, have you got music. Why you got a theme tune in mind, Paul? No, that's what I mean. Like I've got a song in mind, but and I and if you win, you get to pick the song. But if we're just going to listen to the Emmerdale theme tune, then <laughs> you know what I, mean? I want people to have to listen to the Emmerdale theme tune in a way. I mean, it's one of those. You're, you're, you're just in one of those moods tonight. Like everyone's getting it off you first. Game Potter, then that lad who plays for Fabio Silva, ben. Joe Williams is <laughs> yeah. Now it's uh, now, now it's all the Anyone who's tuned into the podcast has got to listen to Emmerdale. <laughs> They've been put through the ring it's nice on this podcast. I've had, I've had a go with everyone. Really? Oh, well, uh, yeah. Well, I'll let Paul choose them because I don't want to completely depress people and I'm not choosing one myself, so. All right, put Emmerdale on if because he's won. He's forgot to have what he said. But if we want an actual, actual song, let's have um, something cheerful. You know, I like Casey and the Sunshine Band. Let's have That's the Way I Like It as well. Oh, nice. That's the way I like it. That's the way I like Everton at the minute. Grinding out wins. Upsetting the apple cart, being really high in the table, and being that club that everyone knows is good but doesn't want to praise. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we'll finish with Emmerdale and Casey and the Tundra bands. We'll, we'll do that like one after the other. Uh, and we'll leave you with now, that. People can hear Emmerdale. That's one of them. Um, but to tell you what, Emmerdale followed by Casey and the Tundra band, that's not a combination you, know, you get very often, is it? So, it's unusual. Uh, it's very unusual, just like this very unusual podcast we've just had. So we'll leave it at that, guys. Uh, thank you for tuning on the Toffee Blues, and we'll see you next time.